So now I'm joined by Andrew Kershaw. So Andrew, can you tell us what your military background was? I spent 20 years as a Royal Air Force intelligence officer. So exploiting, understanding, analysing, disseminating information was second nature. So it was obvious to try and use this skill set in a commercial environment. And cyber, being a very information-heavy environment, lent itself to that perfectly. So what made you leave the RAF and pursue a commercial role? It was family circumstances. I was at the stage in life where I certainly had a lot of fun running around doing all sorts of adventurous bits and pieces that you can with the military. But I now had two small children who I had to provide a level of stability for. And so I needed something that could provide the right environment for my children to grow up. And the job that you're in now, can you tell us a bit more about your role and your specialism? I'm a cyber assurance manager for a, uh, a small to medium-sized cyber specialist company called 6.6, based in London. And my role is to try and give an information asset owner, a system owner, uh, the highest level of confidence that the information and their systems that they have are going to be protected, that they're going to be safe. And there are many different ways in which we can try and improve or provide assurance for any particular system, whether that's technical, procedural, uh, physical or managerial. And how do you feel your experience in the RAF translated into that role? I would say primarily it's the soft skills. Um, I'm coming into a technical environment, but from an information background. So arguably my technical ability is perhaps not as strong as those who've been through university and already been working in this environment. But what I bring is an awful lot of life experience, a lot of those soft skills, what we in the military used to refer to as staff skills. So the ability to manage people, manage time, manage other resources, to communicate effectively, uh, to analyse, uh, to, to work our way through ambiguity. Uh, so using those soft skills, they're probably, I'd say, 60 to 70% of my daily skill set with the technical side making up the rest. And what do you think were the main challenges when you transitioned from the military to the civilian sector? The hardest part was actually deciding what I wanted to do and how I was going to make best use of the skills and experience that I had. Um, so it's an awful lot of soul searching because everybody's transitional journey is different. No one's is the same. Um, I needed to work out what was going to best support my family and therefore which parts of the entire employment market, which is my oyster at the time, uh, would allow me to, to achieve those aims. Um, the, the, the biggest crocodile to the canoe, the closest crocodile to the canoe at the time was Brexit. Uh, so all my planning during the settlement had been based around a bad Brexit. So I wanted to stay away from things that involved uh, transportation, uh, finance, the financial sector might take a hit. Uh, and so on. So I tried to, to discount certain parts of the um, employment spectrum. And then what was left, I then applied my skill set and my experience to, plus the fact is it's something I want to do. Uh, and that left me with a reasonably small number. This sort of future briefness, sort of planning process that I went through, um, obviously not being, not being uh, prescient and looking at uh, forward to what was going to happen with COVID, but that planning that I did for a bad Brexit and how I was going to future-proof my career uh, against something like that actually proved to be a bit of a blessing in disguise because obviously what happened to the recruitment markets, almost every industry took a heck of a downturn apart from cybersecurity.
So when you were planning your um, kind of extraction and you had focused in on the sectors that you could see a future with, what courses then did you go after or did you think, okay, this one would be good for me to do? Uh, I've had an interest in computers from early days uh, going through school. Um, It's just that the military, through my line, through the intelligence specialisation, didn't really offer at that point in time a cyber discipline, as it were. Obviously, things have changed now uh, since I've left, and there's lots of cyber opportunities still within the military for for people to pursue. Um, So I had to start looking at the Career Transition Partnership, uh, as well as a variety of other um, external military uh, organisations. Salute My Job was one, Tech Vets was another, Crucial Academy was another. Uh, There are a number of organisations all out there either run by or uh, run for ex-military personnel, all have their own excellent uh, support networks uh, where you can uh, take advice to people who've already been through that transition process. Um, And that was really how I found my way into the tech vets arena. And for me, one of the primary strengths of tech vets is it's wonderfully diverse forums. Uh, If there is a flavor of cyber that you're interested in, it doesn't matter how uh, unusual or how niche, you will find somebody else in the TechVets forum who shares the same passion, the same interest. There's a lot of commonality, a lot of overlap. Um, so things like the, the forums, such as the um, Transitions Forum, the Qualifications and Trainings Forums um, are really, really useful. It brings together people who've obviously been in your shoes and who are now in the commercial space, who are willing to feed back into it uh, and offer up their experience, their advice. Because one of the most unsettling things about transition is, as I alluded to earlier, you're the only one going through your particular type of resettlement. Everyone else's is different. So because of that, you're kind of doing everything for the first time. So trying to find validation, trying to find positive feedback that what you're doing, the effort you're putting in is right, is really difficult. But having something like the TechVets Tech Vets Forum, where you can jump in and say, hi, guys, Andy here, thinking of doing this, I've done X, Y, and Z, what do you think? And what's great about it is you'll get, at times, some brutally blunt feedback. No, that's really rubbish. Don't do that. Chin that off completely. Look at this instead. Right, got it. Um, and that's because they're kindred spirits, if you like. That's actually quite reassuring. It's okay. Even though I've never met you before, you're here for for the same sort of reason. And I'm going to take the advice that you're offering and see where it takes me. That's a really good description of the the support to the community from TechVets. And I think my last question to you is, um, if you've made any mistakes or if you could go back to when you were doing your resettlement, what would you do differently or what advice would you give to others? I think that... Our primary failing as military people is we don't know how to value ourselves. And here I'm talking about how we should price ourselves. In the military, everybody knows what everyone else earns. You look at the rank on someone's shoulder, you can look at the published pay grades, you know exactly what everyone's on. In this commercial world, it's not like that. You can have two people doing the identical same job with many tens of thousands of pounds difference between the two individuals. Um, And one of the early mistakes I made um, was critically undervaluing myself. 
when it came to that all important question of, so what are your um, salary expectations? And the very first interview that I've gone into, I hadn't given this any, any thought at all. So I picked a number out of the air that I thought was you know, about reasonable. And at the drop of a hat, the interviewer said, yes, well, we can work with that. And I walked out of there feeling you know, 10 foot tall, brilliant. I just literally added you know, 10,000 pounds to my, at the time, salary. But then after a period of time, having chatted to a few people, having a bit more research, um, started to become a little bit more savvy about actually what, what should I be asking for? I realized that I've been selling myself short by you know, multi- multiples of 10,000 um, pounds. So understanding what we are worth what we bring and how, how to quantify that with the numbers after the pound sign. That's the thing which I think we're, we're really quite bad at. Um, we, we don't harp on about our successes and our achievements and how great we are. And I think that hinders us when it comes to salary negotiations. Um, you know, we're great at working as teams, we're great at communicating, great at problem solving. We bring all these wonderful skills um, you know, skills in, in packages that are very well honed that you probably don't find in Civic Street as readily. Put us in front of somebody who's asking us how much we're worth. And we, 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 we struggle. Um, so my overarching message to everyone going through transition uh, through the resettlement process um, would be to really think long and hard about what you are actually valued at. And one of the first places, the best places you can start as an ex-service uh, member is something called the capitation rates. The capitation rates are published by the MOD, by each of the three services. And it breaks down your salary as well as the pension contributions and a few other bits and pieces that you get. And it gives you an overall number for what you are valued at, what, what it costs the MOD to employ you. And that, for everybody who is leaving the military, should be your starting point. For a number of you who've perhaps not looked at your capitation rates before, um, some of the numbers might surprise you. You I'm really worth that much to the MOD? Yes, you are. You absolutely are. And if you are settling for an overall package less than that number, then you're starting to sell yourself short. And that was the early mistake that I made. Thankfully, didn't fall into it. I was able to dodge that one. Um, but definitely understand what your financial value is. And don't be, don't be uh, scared. Don't be um, concerned about asking for that upfront and, and, and supporting it with that evidence. This is my current package. So you're going to need to match or do better. For some of you, yeah. That the, the you know, 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, 90,000 pounds, these are numbers that aren't naturally in our lexicon. We're not used to these. This is, seems like crazy amounts of money uh, and higher in some cases. Okay, but just standing in front of that mirror and saying, yes, I am worth X many thousand pounds, get it in your head, understand your value. Andy, I think that's absolutely brilliant advice. And that's something that um, we'll put a link in this webinar to that resource so that other people can find it. 
Um, and I'll also take that back to James, because I think we need to push that out more widely to the tech vets community, um, because I haven't heard that before, but that is an absolutely uh, valid piece of advice that uh, actually our members uh, need to know. I've been reaching out to um, everyone who I can since leaving, um, you know, friends of friends of friends. Oh, yeah, chat to Andy, he's just been through this. And in any conversation I have with any other service person who's going through resettlement, uh, points them towards the MOD's capitation rates is one of the key things to do. Um, I mean, in the space of one phone call, uh, one individual who I've spoken to recently uh, was able to add £5,000 to his salary in the space of a phone call. Okay, and, that, and that's not a big amount. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, so once people, once people have this evidence, this piece of paper that demonstrates quite clearly, this is what you're currently on. Oh, and let's not forget to add in things like standard learning credits, enhanced learning credits, your medical, your dental, your insurance, your critical illness cover that the MOD provides, you know, your pension. You start adding all those in, and then you, you realise actually that as much as we might whinge and groan about it, we're not actually in a bad position when it comes to remuneration from the military. We just need to make sure that that translates across into your new civilian career. That's absolutely brilliant advice. Thank you so much for joining us for this webinar, Andy. We appreciate it very much. Cheers and good luck to everyone who's listening.